0: John Wick is back, is the hype for real? I am the last manager of the last video store in the universe. My name is Jason. I go to movie theaters when I'm not busy managing that last video store and I watch movies and I come here and I talk to you about them instantaneously. I give you my instant impressions, instant thoughts, change of pace if you've been a long-term listener to these instant reactions. The first part's gonna be available on the main feed, but the full, uninterrupted, unedited, extended cut of this episode is gonna be available exclusively on Patreon, patreon.com slash binge movies for patrons at any level. So if you want the galaxy brain ramblings of a madman driven insane by VHS, that's the place to go. John Wick is on the agenda today. I saw John Wick. I make it a principle not to do series revisits, not to do rewatches in anticipation for a new entry sequel, legacy sequel, reboot, requel, uh, etc. The reason for that is because my brain automatically goes into comparison mode and contrast mode. And one film is not going to be able to live up to the highlight reel of the best moments of all the other films that have come before it, right? So I would go into, say, John Wick chapter four with all of these, all of the, the best moments, cherry picked from the first three films, and go, well, there really wasn't a moment, a singular moment in this film that made me feel like the way I feel when I watch all the best moments of the other films. Um, so I just don't do it, I know myself. I stuck to my discipline, I was tempted. I stuck to my discipline. And I went into this one, Wick Cold, Um, not having seen any of them in a a goodly amount of time. Okay. So, absolutely spoiler-free up front, I'm going to tell you whether or not I think it's worth your time in movie theaters to go to the theater to see it, to pay the money to see it. Whether this is one you can catch on VOD or whether this is one you can skip at all. I'm going to rate it on a letterbox scale of 1 to 5. I guess technically 0 to 5. I guess I, letterbox is technically half a point to, to 5. And no quarter points, nothing like that. Um, how do I want to start this? Um, I will get into the spoiler portion and rambly portion. The extended cut exclusively over on Patreon. Okay, time is ticking. Mr. Jason, um, the first John Wick is, was a very refreshing, innovative film for American action cinema. We've been stuck in the mud with Paul Greengrass style. And, and he gets labeled with it. He didn't really, he didn't, he didn't really, isn't really the one responsible for it. But I would just say born identity action sequences, to some extent, what we saw in the Taken series Uh, And that was really it. And some of that is okay, but definitely had run its course. And as we always do in the United States, we have to dip our toe, at least Hollywood filmmaking, back into the pool of Asian cinema to shamelessly rip it off. We've done it to anime. Most of your favorite shots or most of your favorite movies have come somewhere from anime. I say that as a non-anime watcher. It's just true. You can look at comparisons online. Um, And creativity is a... um, circle of of imitation, innovation, uh, and uh, inspiration, imitation, innovation. That's the cycle of creativity. So you see something, you're inspired by it, you try to imitate it, and then hopefully the, the last phase is you then innovate on it. And the John Wick series definitely has done that. It took a lot of Asian cinema elements and did innovate on it by making it uniquely its own in the same way that Um, The Western was taken by Italy and made into its own thing. And the Western was taken to Japan and made into its own thing. And the way that samurai movies were taken to America and remade into their own thing. Um, So we're constantly influencing, inspiring, and imitating each other, which leads to innovation in the arts. There's two grand feelings when you're experiencing art that you can have. One is that innovation feeling. It's I'm looking at something, I'm seeing something that is out of step in the best way possible with everything of its current time. That was the first John Wick. It has a sweet spot for me because uh, the movie famously did not do well uh, initially. It sort of spread by word of mouth. It did okay business, but it was sort of old school in the way that people would go see it and they'd say, Oh man, that's John Wick, that's John Wick, that's John Wick. Yeah, go see John Wick. And so it really spread by word of mouth and it ended up doing... Again, okay, some solid business at the box office. Did monster business on home video. So, again, kind of an old-school 80s, 90s kind of a vibe to it because it just, you know, just kind of flew under the radar. And um, we obviously got the sequels, which did much better at the box office, et cetera, et cetera. Now we're going to get a whole John Wick Extended Universe Continental Hotel series and all this sort of shit. So um, we'll all be sick of it soon enough. But... That The first one has a sweet spot because it had no expectations. I went into a mostly empty theater. I didn't see it opening weekend, but I saw it within the first, let's say, two weeks of its release. It hadn't been spoiled because no one I knew saw it. And it was freaking awesome. I took a risk. It was a blind watch, and it paid off. Um, I've seen all of them in theaters. And as they've progressed, they've increased their set pieces, spectacle, um, scope. And lore, they've added a lot of lore, and I think two and three at times can be bogged down with a lot of lore, a lot of world building. That when we're not in those uh, action set pieces, uh, which are spectacular, um, the, mo- the the i don't want to say the movie drags, but you feel exhausted from the action set pieces, and you're using all of this downtime to sort of try to kind of catch your breath, and. The the story building of it all, at least for me, especially in the third one, didn't work as well as those set pieces. I found myself just being like, okay, I wouldn't get to the next cool thing you're going to show me. And they certainly did. First film didn't really have that because it was a lean and mean, simple execution of a simple premise. It was a revenge. What happens if you mess with the absolute wrong person? Which is a great micro-genre, subject that I love, Right. It's sort of this inversion of like I spit on your grave or Last House on the Laugh, which is what if an innocent person is picked on by crazy people and, and then this innocent, pure person through usually rape and torture is driven insane, you know, or even like Death Wish, right? Or the, if it's, you're not being raped, it's the person you love who is being assaulted and you're driven insane and you have to seek vengeance. This flipped that whole thing around and was like, what if, what if you're just a jerk and you, and you mess with a random guy and that random guy turned out to be the most dangerous man alive. And the whole outer world of the assassins and everything else, it, it slowly bloomed throughout that first film, but it was managed to smaller budgeted films, smaller expectations. It was, it, it's a, a that's kind of my wheelhouse. I love those economic ways of telling story lean, mean, to the point doesn't mean you can't have a little bit of lore but i'm of the oak of like the john wicks the terminators the mad maxes give it to me as this is ironic coming from me but give me give me your movie in as least as few sentences as you possibly can in its execution don't bog me down with all this stuff just i love those mean lean all killer no filler films that's the first one. Second and third one like i said are not that so the first one's innovation second and third one are kind of expansion. That leaves us with the fourth one. What is this fourth film? The other exciting thing about art, other than pure innovation, I'm seeing something I've never quite seen in this way before, is I'm seeing something at the height of its craft. It's not necessarily something I've never seen before entirely. It's not necessarily innovation, but it's mastery. Somebody has mastered this craft. This film, from a cinematography, direction, and choreography, and stunt standpoint, and dare even say certain special effects, this is the mastery of craft. This is a movie worthy of Academy Awards. I think it should be nominated for Best Director. I think it should be nominated for Best Cinematographer. I think it should be nominated for Best Sound. Um, I think it. I'm not sure about editing. I have to watch it again. The aggressiveness, the intelligence. I've been been decrying the lack of blocking and shot composition, and practical locations. And yes, there is a lot of CGI in here, but somehow it is not at any point, except for maybe one or two shots, distracting in any way. It's completely complimentary. I sat in this movie, and there's a sequence that happens with some water. It's Kiamu. It's got to be a fight in the water. And I'm just thinking to myself, a series of thoughts, but I'm thinking to myself, I can't wait to see this on 4K. If they do a 4K transfer of this correct, it's going to be insane. If they do it correctly, it is going to be insane. The tapestry of colors, lights beyond that, the gothic old world colors, we spent a lot of time in Europe and in these giant cathedrals, and some are sets and some are obviously real locations, and lighting and smoke and shadow and stuff, a lot of which is done in camera, then complemented by digital effects. It's a sort of robust filmmaking that those of us who are movie nerds nerd out about it's the sort of robust filmmaking that i've been that we're starved for right and you'll notice what about the action sequences yeah those are awesome too but it's the application of incredible cinematography and direction to those action set pieces. It's not just, we're going to spin the camera around while a guy does a flip. Like, we've been wowed to death by that sort of stuff. We've seen all the flips and kicks, and especially in Asian cinema, and we've got, you know, we, we, it's like, it's it, that sort of stuff has almost been played to the point of um, slow-mo, what slow-mo was in the old Hong Kong days. Um, it's balletic. Maybe may be the, some of the best use of gunfu fu ever. Um, this may be one of Donnie Yen's best films. He's a completely, uh, entirely compelling addition to this series, as is almost everybody in the film. Um, it's, I'm struggling to put this one into words because the more I think about it, it's just a masterfully made film. It is pulse-pounding. It is exciting. It is thrilling. There's at one point um, my head with my hands were the top of my head and I was just shaking my head violently like no, like because I just couldn't believe what I was watching. I just couldn't believe it because it felt so good. It looked so good. It sounded so good. It was it was so exciting. It was so thrilling. And the way this movie comes to a head, this is the longest, by the way. In the john wick series this is the, almost the complete opposite of the spectrum of what i've said about the first john wick and in the, you would have that sense of like okay, it's the fourth film it's gonna get bloated it's gonna get, and somehow i think it feels less bloated than the third film which is shorter and this is like they just mastered it. they got the character story lore elements right they don't overdo it it's just enough it's complimentary the action set pieces the set pieces go on they don't go on too long to where you're over on them which can happen they, they leave you i wouldn't say they leave you wanting more but they leave you satisfied and not exhausted you can you can watch something that's so awesome and go this is awesome fight forever and then <coughs> be exhausted watch any aew pay-per-view and you know what i'm talking about sometimes it's like these are i don't know 10 of the best matches that I've seen in the last like six months and I have to get up tomorrow and I'm exhausted you know it's like <coughs> the third John Wick was kind of like that for me not this one it had I was completely locked in completely engaged from beginning to end there wasn't a single moment of it where I felt lag where I felt like I don't give a shit let's just get to something else um I think it's the best directed I think it's it wastes the least for the it's for a movie with maybe the biggest scope, definitely the longest runtime, is the one of the these of the sequels that feels the most um well put together. I still don't know other way to put it. It's just an if there's any justice in this world, this movie, like I said, would be nominated. Um the way it, the where this thing culminates and how it culminates is so smart. It it harkens back to the Westerns, it harkens back to Old samurai films, and it is, it has as much tension, if not for the same length of time, but it has, it's, it's, it's has as much tension as a, as a Leone film, Sergio Leone, it has as much tension as like the um, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. uh it, it, It's not as inventive as a set piece as that. <clears throat> it doesn't go on as long, but boy, I felt a similar way, um, to when you watch that movie, you know, um. The balls on this crew to take a, a, a rapidly approaching elderly Gen Xer who's entirely pigeon-toed and very unathletic and make him an action star, again. But just because he has a, through a sheer force of discipline, Keanu will beat his body in the ground to learn the patterns and learn the beats. You can tell he's not like a natively organically athletic limber guy. Like, look at Donnie Yan, look at him. Look at their difference in their fighting style. But somehow that has always worked with a Neo, or in this case, the John Wick series. And I think, um, I'm not prepared to say globally, but I would definitely be prepared to say um, in the United States, that of these four films are the best for uh, American action films. Okay. It, this is the best American action series ever made. I would, I would just, Ooh, Mission Possible. man, that might be up there <coughs> too. It's a, it's, it's between those two films, those two series. Um, I think this one's the one that's most consistently good. Man, that's tough. Mission Impossible is really good though. That's tough. That's tough. I don't know how to think about that. I'll have to revisit that conversation at a later date. So, um, I'm going to go Galaxy Brain in a second. I'm running out of time here for this front portion. Here's what I would say. If you, uh, It's a must-watch in theaters. It's a must-watch on the biggest screen with the biggest speakers. IMAX, XD, whatever it's called, wherever you're at in the world. Go see it. Go see it in the biggest screen with the biggest speakers. Probably buy the 4K if you have access to 4K TV, Blu-ray player. Uh, don't stream 4K. It's not true 4K, if you can help it. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. What else would I say? Oh, I guess my score, uh 4.5 out of 5. It's on my best of 2023 list. And I think it's the first great movie of 2023. I think we have a real opportunity in our hands between here and, I would say, July. I think April, May and June, in particular, have a real potential. April, May and June, I would need you to hear me. April, May and June have real potential. To, to, for us to get some really great genre films and to get some good solid to great entries in long running film series um it could go the other way, but there is that potential right now and that makes it exciting um, this is this this movie is not this year movie year is, to my opinion has not started as strong as the last few, which was bound to happen because we had a back uh, you know, surplus, a backlog of movies from the COVID era. So we were getting concentrated doses of good stuff starting in 2021 and in 2022. Um, we're we're through that. <laughs> we also got concentrated doses of crap. But we now we're we're getting sort of back aligned in the schedule, and so we're we're kind of conforming back to that typical January through March is like kind of shaky, but there might be some scrappy, you know, uh, franchises or scrappy. Standout movies that pop up during then. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the John Wick movies usually came around Valentine's Day, right? So this one's a little late. Um, yeah. Shout out to everybody, the stunt crew, everybody on this uh should get nominations next year. I really believe that. Um, they probably won't because there's not enough respect for this style of filmmaking. Um, but this is art, and the John Wick movies have been art. And this is the most artistic of them yet. First one's probably still my favorite, but I'll revisit that conversation later down the road. All right, if you are a patron, stay tuned. If not, this this episode's going to end here for you.